Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about special mugs, Debbie McGee, and we are joined by Bernadette Russell, author of The Little Book of Kindness. Good morning, morning. Welcome to this live edition of The Kindness Project. Today is Friday the 17th. It's Friday? It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday or Alan, I don't know. I'm joined joined by a girl who names her eyebrows. (laughs) It's Charlotte Dames. And I'm joined by the master of early morning meetings. It's Chris Oh, honestly, I've been, I've been up since about half six this morning because I had an eight o'clock meeting and then uh, for some reason I've volunteered to host this live show three times a week. It's weird. And um, we're joined by an amazing guest today who literally wrote the book on kindness. It's Bernadette. Hello, Bernadette. How are you? Hello, I'm all right. Yeah, um, re- my kitchen. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, uh, we. You know what? That's one thing about zooms, right? We. Uh, uh, I'm doing a lot of zooms, both through work and for the podcast at the minute, and I'm always fascinated by people's like what background they use to yeah. for their for their zoom. So on the um, morning, morning Trev, morning, morning Tracy, morning dudes. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, what I've had so far is on the meeting this morning, I've had I've had ones where uh, the like people are on their phones and the the views are wonky. I've had one where um, uh, somebody had a background of San Francisco, and I, I, I my gym right at the minute is doing all of their training on Zoom. So they're doing all of their exercise classes on Zoom, and it. It, um, one one person the other day looked like they were on top of the Empire State Building doing a burpee. I've, I, I, I literally, I've never ever seen that before. People do... Um, People do what? People probably have done burpees on top of the Empire State Building. That maybe that should I should add that to to my bucket list a burpee on the Empire State Building. But how are you? <laughs> yeah, how are you? Uh, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Good. I've got a big coffee. Look. Oh, amazing. What what's what's on your mug? What's on your mug? Uh, oh it's quite it says it's that when it colour coat when it tells you what colour you want your tea. Oh cool. That's useful. Yeah. And and what colour and what and what colour do you actually have your tea? Very, very dark. Strong. Okay. But this this is coffee and it's also very strong. Good. My my mug um so just non-official question of the podcast is what's on your mug um we'd like to see photos but on my mug i've got do good feel good because this is my sport relief mug so that's good what's on your mug um well i'm using one of the generic mugs from the cupboard (laughs) um but i have two very special mugs uh, and one of them is shaped like an owl's face. Oh, that's an amazing mug. That is my favourite mug. Yeah. And then there's one, it's just pink and it's got a flamingo on it and it says you're flamazing. You are flamazing. Yeah, you are flamazing. That's that, brilliant. Uh, no, I love that. That's really good. Morning, Sean. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Um, and today's question of the podcast for our live listeners, and we've already had a surprisingly active response um, on social media at the minute, is what, because Charlotte names her eyebrows, what inanimate objects do you name? 
Um, and the one with Tom and Jerry. I think they're perfect eyebrows. <laughs> well, I, I've decided that, and this was only decided yesterday. My eyebrows are now called Chaz and Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah I I I'm taking it. What else do you name that's inanimate? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're being warned to keep it clean. Keep uh, it clean. My, my, I have two skeleton. Scott, not really scotched. One of them is an ha- a Halloween decoration. You press a button and it plays everybody dance now, but it's a skeleton being the DJ. And what's the and name of the. His name's Jer- Jerry. Jerry. And then on the opposite corner of the room, there's Michael and he's just a skeleton in a hat. And if you turn him on, he blurs this So main, mainly eyebrows and skeletons for yeah. you. Morning, morning, Trina. Thanks for joining us this morning. Bernadette, what do you name that's inanimate in your life? I'm really sorry I don't do that. That's no, I don't. Really I, to you, is it? No, I, I don't either. My mum does it and she calls her car Snowdrop. Okay. We had That's a... what I've got to offer. I don't name any inanimate objects. Um, Danny Willis... Maybe I need to start doing it, though. So I will consider during the course of our conversation what I'll call my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently, according to Charlotte's rules, they need to be a double act. They need to be an iconic so, duo. So my, my youngest daughter, Sophie, went for Dave and Alan or something like that. Um, but we, we've decided that it needs to be a famous duo that, um, that, that it's named after. Um, Danny Willis has just said, my eyebrows are so big, they've got middle names. <laughs> Good line. We like we like that a lot. We like that a lot. Thank you. Um, so uh, all mine. Um, Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. Good, okay. good I choice. I don't understand that reference. No, Paul Daniels was a. It's like a um, a, a magician, like a TV magician. Mm. And Debbie and McGee. Debbie you know who Debbie McGee is. is. You know what? I've got a Debbie McGee story, right? So, oh so one once. I was, my friend's got a, a boat and uh, uh, a shout out to Henry um, and he, he moors it up near Henley-on-Thames and um, he, we were out on his boat once and genuinely, this was about two years ago, Charlotte, yes, wasn't it? Yes, I remember that. Um, uh, I think this might be the most middle class story ever. Um, uh, but uh, we, we were out by Henley on Thames and we were like stuck in a lock. So we were just waiting for the water to rise so we could move on. And I, I literally walked to the back of the boat and in a rowboat behind us was Debbie McGee. Crikey. Yeah, <laughs> just just in a in a rowboat in on the Thames. It's just one but of those I, weird. She interviewed me once uh, for a show that I was doing about. I made a show about a death, and she interviewed me for it. And she was just so nice. Yeah. And then shortly afterwards, after I spoke to her, I was really pleased because she was so lovely and so nice. I made friends with a lady also called Debbie McGee. Who has spent her whole life saying, "No, I'm not." I'm that not Debbie that Debbie McGee. McGee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how, did, how, how did that relationship start? There must be loads of people who grow up, and then the person who has the same name as them gets famous. Yeah. And then you have to live with that, don't you? So there must be loads of them. So I'd be quite interested to know if, if anyone knows anyone with a famous name. Oh, that that's an amazing question. So unofficial yeah. third question in the podcast is. Um, do you know anybody with a famous name that isn't that famous person? That's a really yeah. good one. I think we might use that for a future live episode as well. The thing is, we've got such a weird name, the odds of that happening are probably pretty low, aren't yeah. they? I mean, aren't we like the only 
dames in family in England or something. We we uh, we are we are with that yeah, unusual. Do, do you yeah. know what it means? Do you know what the name means? No, no. I mean it's it's it's. We know where we, it originates from, but we yeah. don't know what it means. It's it's Flemish. It's like from from Holland and and Belgium originally, but we don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't actually know where it's from. Um, in in the life. Oh, some somebody's googling for us now, so we might yeah, we we might we might we might be able to find out. So. Question of the podcast is what weird things um, to uh, your name? Uh, apparently, Trina said that her daughter's partner is Chris Brown, like the singer, huh. which is quite a good oh, one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that's a good one. But I'd imagine I'd imagine Chris Brown is quite a common name, right? Well, I had a friend also whose whose um, uncle was called Bruce Willis. Oh, that's a brilliant that. one. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Um, so, so thank you for that um, for that unofficial question of the podcast. We love we love when guests have that input. Um, just want to mention some things that we think uh, are going on yeah. uh, amazingly in the world, and I want to mention one. It's really interesting, Bernadette, because what the Kindness Project gives us the opportunity to do is share stories. Yeah, and sometimes those stories are. Um, super international. So we've got a lady called Dina Gayo, who's one of, who's been one of our favourite guests. She's coming on live next week, um, but she's out in China and she does uh, a project that helps people, uh, helps the OAPs in the UK by introducing them to students who want to learn English. So she deals with so- social isolation in the in the UK by connecting. Uh, uh, the elderly with students who want to learn English. It's an amazing little sort of socially responsible business idea that we that we love. So we do a lot uh, with um, guests all over the world, but also we like to talk about things that are happening more close to home. Mm-hmm. And the story that I've got today is the story of Charlotte's old school. Yes. Um, oh, I heard about this. Um, and. Charlotte's old school's got a teacher called Mr. Hussein. Yeah. Uh, he's a teacher, but he used to be an ambulance driver, and he's gone back to be an ambulance driver while he's while he's off school to um, to help the NHS out. How amazing is that? Yeah, it's brilliant. There's been some extraordinary stories, hasn't there, about people sort of returning back to work from retirement as well, which is yeah. Mm. I, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because potentially they're they're taking a risk by doing that, but yeah, feel feel so engaged with our uh, with, with with supporting people at this time. It's it's been really good. One of our neighbours is a, is an NHS nurse, and my brother-in-law. And yesterday she was asked whether she wanted to go stay on the ward or go to A and E. So she was just asked. She was like, "Wow, that's such a how do I choose between that?" So she just messaged me this morning and said. Oh, I've chosen to go to A and E because I think that's the most helpful, and that's really sort of humbling. You know, whatever whatever hardships I've personally had, to to, to know that my sister and her friends are in A and E. Yeah. With to be honest, sometimes not adequate PPE either. It's yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um. So it's been really nice, hasn't it, to be able to like we were talking about earlier, sort of on Thursdays, bang our saucepan lids, make that sort of rough music of thanks. Everyone's been really great, I think. Yeah, you um, has the uh, has the Thursday clap because uh, you're in South London, aren't you? Has the Thursday clap yeah, been going in South London? Sunday. 
Well, it's amazing. It's it's what's really interesting as well is I'm on a on main road, and okay. obviously there's hardly any cars on it at the moment. Um, so I'm sure it must have been affected by the lack of cars or just the emptiness of the roads. But we get a big echo back from the estate opposite. Okay. So we can hear all of ours along our road, and that's really nice. We all sort of wave at each other, but then we can hear a massive sort of cacophony of boozellers and saucepan lids from the estate opposite carry it carries a really long way so it's amazing yeah i i, I don't it's think brilliant. i don't think um i don't think i've ever um, encourage Vuvuzela playing in my life, but uh, oh, I'll, I'll make an exception. For, yeah. for two. Have you ever heard of Vuvuzela? No. Uh, it's, it's possibly the loudest and most annoying uh, sound in the world. But to, to but I like sort of improvised instruments as well, like people coming out with you know their woks or their their old saucepans or a, you know a wooden spoon and stuff. That's really fun. It's like this really yeah. sort of handmade orchestra. Yeah, my my um, it's funny. My youngest um, uh, l- loves the idea of going out with a pot and pan. Um, but we we in our in our street in our little cul-de-sac, we've sort of decided that we're going to play a song every week. So last week it was uh, we'll meet again. Yesterday it was we will rock you, and then we're going to do a different song. Have we decided? I'm speaking to my wife, who's the expert on this. Have we decided what song we're going to do next week? We haven't decided yet. So, if there's a song, listeners and viewers, that you think that we should play in our little cul-de-sac um, next week, that'd be uh, that'd be amazing to hear. Can I just say another massive thanks as well to Mister David Forsdyke, yes, who's um, given us his silver linings. Um, do you want to start with the first one? Oh, okay. Uh, silver Linings is one month old. If you've not seen these before, the idea is to find and share silver linings for the coronavirus black cloud. Anything goes as long as it's uplifting, positive and fun. And we love that McKinney's project. Yes. So we've been sharing Dave's silver linings every single day. And thanks for uh, to Dave for um, continuing to mention us. Yeah. Uh, in case you missed it, BBC Weatherman... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Right, now normally you give the difficult name pronunciations to me Uh. and we've had a comment on today's question of the podcast from one of our favourite viewers, Serena van der Moelen. Well, that was quite good, I thought. Uh. Um, So I'm going to let you cover off this Welsh name as you're learning Welsh at the minute. Uh, A Wayne (laughs) Wynn. A Wynn, a Wynn. Go on, go on, do it. Wayne Wynne Evans uh, made a smile on Wednesday by drumming along to the BBC News theme tune at the end of his fourth. And it was really good, actually. He did a really good job. So that 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 that's uh, that's available. And then, "Don't Quit" is a positive poem written nearly a hundred years ago by Edgar Allan Albert Guest. But very relevant today. Here it is, read by Idris Elba, who has had and recovered from COVID nineteen himself courtesy of the BBC. So we're going to put a link on the show notes so you can have a look at that, but it is quite an inspiring little poem. Um, So that's good. I think art at the minute is art and theatre and and comedy is really important at the minute, Bernadette. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things. I think one, it's been really wonderful to see everybody's sort of creative response to what's going on, not only the sort of professional artistic community, but sort of everybody, which is really lovely, I think, and shown that 
we all we all yearn to and have like loads of creative resources there's been absolutely countless things every day and this sort of artistic community i think has responded really well i was about to write on the 14th of march i'd gone to i do um multi-generational projects uh, with sheltered housing and primary schools for the royal albert hall and the last couple of years we've made shows with these intergenerational groups we just started and then lockdown happened so we were like oh dear um, what did we so do? we we managed to sort of design between all of us this kind of through the post correspondence course um for the, the amount of weeks that we won't be together and it's interesting because we don't know we actually don't really know how it's going to work we couldn't assume necessarily that some of our older people had access to digital online stuff so it was quite lo-fi and you know just to make sure it's democratic and it's accessible for everyone but one of the things we did which relates to what you were doing is we've organized a time that we're all going to sing a date and a time that we're all going to sing we'll meet again together okay we can't do that sort of online because not everybody has access to it but i just really like the idea of everyone all over their little bits of london singing that and knowing that everybody's singing that so i think loads of organisations and I was in a Zoom meeting yesterday with loads and loads of different artists that work with the South Bank Centre sort of talking about how they're trying to respond so I think the professional creative response has been amazing but also just everyone yeah. you know drawing rainbows to put in the window writing poetry and chalk on parks it's been really beautiful and it shows you how what a gift being able to be creative is actually yeah um, I, I, I 100% agree um, just, just. I mean, you, you are one of our all-time favourite guests on the Kindness Project. I loved being on your. Um, um, but a long time ago now. It, well, it was, it was probably as an audio guest. It was probably two years ago now. Yeah. Because um, it was you were one of our first ever guests. Yeah, I remember that. Um, so thank you for doing that all that time ago. We're still going. Clearly, you still are. Um, uh, but for the, for our live audience, Sue, and and the weird thing is. Um, uh, is that in that two years we've like when you came on we had no audience at all and now we've got uh, bizarrely people are quite enjoying it and we've got about thirty thousand podcast subscribers every week so that's that's good news but um for for our audience who don't know about you and your work can you tell us a little bit about you yeah so for me it's so back in 2011 um in, the, in response to the, if anybody remember it, the, the sort of UK riots that happened that summer, and, and it, as a result of just being feeling really flattened by that, and, a, and feeling a bit sad, sad and depressed by that, I just it, like impulsively decided on the 18th of August that I was going to try and do a kind thing for a stranger every day and see what that did. It was reckless, which is pretty typical of me, and I tried to do a different thing every day. I tried to make it creative and. I did, I kept it up and it spanned a leap year. So, and it wasn't a project in that it wasn't that organised. It was just a thing I did, but I sort of kept a record of it on social media. And then lots of people joined in and it, and I kept telling the little stories. And um, yeah, it sort of turned into this really transformative experience. And I'd been a theatre maker and an artist all my life. But I think the main thing that happened after that was that became the centre, sort of compassionate practice and kindness became the absolute centre of everything I do and have done since then. Yeah. So I've kept it up, so I've, God knows what day I'm on now. So since, so for 10 years, 
I've done a kind act for a stranger every single day. Do you keep a diary of this? Do you record what you do like every day for 10 years? Because doing it over a year is still a challenge, but uh, doing it over 10 years is quite a quite a, quite an experience, right? Yeah, well, I, I say, I, mean, I don't mean this to sound glibly, but it's a little bit like yoga or playing the ukulele or anything in that the daily practice is best because then you get really good at it. Yeah. I don't mean that. Um, I don't mean to say that I'm expert at it because I don't. I don't kind of like those sort of terminologies. But just you get to have a really deep understanding of what it is. The same if you do anything every day, and uh, but also um, you can always do a little thing every day. Yeah. And and some and and I guess I got um, the first year was hugely expensive because I just kept like buying people things, giving away money. That year I was like, actually, one I don't. I can't keep this up. And secondly, in order to make it available for everybody, it needs to not be so expensive. So the practice of doing it has sort of shifted and changed. And I try to, and I champion other people's kindnesses as well and other organisations. And then made have written four books now and they all sort of contain very practical exercises and things that can do. So the thing for me was to move away from kindness being extraordinary to being ordinary Simple. and actually yeah. to be unkind to be the exception. Yeah, you know what's interesting? It's that... really good fun, actually. It's not a chore. Um, because you get such a massive endorphin, serotonin, oxytocin yeah. uh, rush, um, it's, a, it's its own reward as well. Well, we, we talk about that on the, kindness, on the Kindness Project quite a lot. Like, sort of, the fact that actually kindness is... A little bit selfish because you're in a position where you do feel good when you help somebody else because the hormones in your body kick in, right? Yeah, although I have to say, not always. I would say because sometimes, because it, we're complicated, human beings are complicated, and some days you can't help but hope for a response and you don't get it. So yeah. actually, yeah. it's a very rich experience, and because of that, you can learn a lot. Like you know, not expecting a certain result, just doing it for its own sake. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I mean, that some days you don't feel like it, but kind of doing it anyway. Again, it sort of goes back to this thing of, I think, you don't always feel like doing yoga every day, do you? <laughs> but no. you do it and then it's good. So I think it does make you feel good, but sometimes it doesn't, and there's always something to learn from that as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So you mentioned about your books. Oh no, I had I, I, I a supplementary question that I haven't got written down. In that first year, tell me about some of the favourite acts of kindness you did. This year, or uh, the first year you did it. Uh, the first year. So um, <laughs> yeah, the first year was, as I'm sure you can imagine, was a bit of a roller coaster. Um, there was a couple of things once my friend contacted me and she um she said that her grandma her best her grandma's best friend was lonely because her grandma had died and that she wasn't leaving the house very much so i got her a little package together i found out what her favorite perfume was i wrote her a little letter and i posted it and i didn't hear anything until about four months later my friend contacted me and she went oh just to let you know that um she was so blown away what some, that somebody had contacted her that she started daring to go out of the house again and started doing shopping for her neighbours and said that it sort of restored her faith now that was a really interesting and sort of important moment for me because 
one I thought, actually, I might never have found out. So you kind of have to trust in the ripples, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, and I found out a lot later, but I still think it was a good thing to do. So for me, one, the effect was really powerful. But two, the biggest lesson was that I might not have known that. I might never have found out because I was mainly doing always doing acts of kindness to strangers. I had to take on that I might not find but that, but, what the impact but, was. But that that was one really good one. And then another one was <laughs> I it was near Christmas and I was in Battersea and I gave this I just said to this lady, Oh, will you take this Christmas card? I made you a Christ, made a Christmas card for a stranger and I said, Happy Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, this is for you and um again she contacted, eventually found me a lot later and just said, oh, thanks to this Christmas card, I've actually started doing it as well. I've started giving Christmas cards to strangers. And then the third one, just with it, just a really magic one, is I wrote on a five-pound note, um, I'm doing this, I'm trying to do an act of kindness for a stranger every day. Please take this fiver and treat yourself. And I hid it inside a book in Waterstones in Greenwich. And then a year later... A man sent a photo of the five pound note to me and said, I've just been given this as change in Nottingham and I've given it to a homeless man. And that was amazing. So amazing. that took like all that time to come back. It's really amazing. So the question I've got is how did you pick what book did you put in and how did you pick the book? Well that yeah, that's a good question. So I've done that quite a few times in Greenwich and Waterstones. And they well, I thought about that and I thought, actually I'll go to the self help section because I just thought Maybe if you're browsing in the self-help section, you might be a bit needing a bit of a boost. And I put it in a very small volume of um, uh, sort of medita- mindfulness practice. Okay. Like, you know, when I go, yeah, I can't remember the name of the book. So I put it in a mindfulness book. Um, yeah. Good, good choice. Good choice. <laughs> um, and tell us a little bit about your books, because you've got four now or five. Yeah, fine. I've just finished my fifth book, which is called um, How to Be Hopeful, which is out in September of this year. Um, yeah, and I wrote two children's books, and, and now I have written three adults' books. So I, I sort of turned towards hope, even though it's still very much about sort of kindness and compassionate practice, because and it's interesting, actually, in the light of COVID, because I think, in a way, this epi- this pandemic's given returned hope to us in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think but it's in. Help. I think it's interesting. I think it's. Yes. I think it's given you a bit of a, a bit of a different perspective on hope, but also yeah. people need to be hopeful in times of crisis, right? That's right. And I, what I've noticed before when I started writing it, which was before this, was that actually the sort of ecosystem of kindness as an active practice was growing and growing and growing. There were more people getting involved, which was brilliant. But a lot of people were expressing sort of hopelessness. And for me, it was connected with the way the stories that are told and the way that we tell them so that the over the main message or, the, or one of the overlying narratives is that people aren't really any good and that everything's awful and it's really hard to counter that and then I feel like what's happened now I mean for me the BBC have been amazing over like the last few weeks you know the hero half hour thing that they're doing suddenly it feels like the news is like I always wanted it to be with an emphasis on sort of truth and and the good stories and the positive things that people are doing and the generosity of spirits and and the beautiful things about human beings so in a way I think this period has returned hope to us, although we've got a long way to go yet, haven't we, Chris? I think so. we have. 
I think yeah, and I think I think I think the for me it's all down to perspective and I'm hoping you know perspective never shifts overnight but I'm hoping that people will see the good in people a bit more now because yeah, I think definitely. with this external are, threat yeah I agree 100% um, and I think I think the conventional mainstream media has got a part to play particularly the BBC in definitely. terms of highlighting some of those really positive um, positive stories but I'm, I'm it's really encouraging is that not only are they deciding to tell those stories, and they are, yep. is that people are enjoying them. So that encu- then encourages the yeah. media efforts to tell those stories because they see that they can still maintain a readership or maintain a viewership, and they need to be encouraged as well. So it's also down to us. So I'm you've always made a thing of in all of my books and all of my practice. You know, when you share on Facebook or you share on Twitter, that's your li- that's your that's your power, that's your little platform to share positive stories, actually. Yeah. I always say bad news takes care of itself, and I think it does. We, we don't need to share that yeah. unless you think you've unearthed something that no one knows. You, I you, think but good news and positive news and hopeful news and beautiful stories of kindness... They need our support. They're the ones that we share. And you know what? It's one of the reasons we started the Kindness Project two years ago because I was sick of turning on the news and looking at the world through a lens of negativity and divisiveness and yeah. everything. When when my lived experience, and again, the, I'm guilty of this because I'm a I'm a huge optimist, but my lived experience was actually people were pretty decent. Exactly. I was saying this all the time. I was like, you would think if you watched the news that as soon as we went out to the street, everyone was running around with, sort of, you know, clubs to beat each other. And it's just not true. And there's interesting stuff around, you know, that's worth investigating around sort of neuroscience and neuropsychology about why we're sort of programmed, if you like, or wired to be attracted to negative bias yeah. and negative well, stories part, part, part of that's that. evolutionary so right again make a practice of just saying actually what good thing happened today instead of remembering the one slightly yeah. annoying thing that happened everyone will have more there's on my windows it literally is written there's more good than bad there's more hope than fear there's more love than hate yeah it's literally written all over my windows and um, and that's true it yeah. just is true, like you said. That's hundred percent. So, and so you, and your platform that you and Charlotte are doing, your podcast, that's it's brilliant to have those things because it's another part of this ecosystem of of hope and kindness and love and compassion pushing against the tide of the other. <laughs> Look, we 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 play a little part. We play a tiny little part. So so new we all play a little part, and that's. That's what we all need to do is just play a little part. Agreed, 100%. And so the new book book's about hope and that's out in September. Yeah, it's um, called How to Be Hopeful and it's out in September. Um, yeah, uh, so it's been an interesting, really not, really nice time to do that. And then I'm, I've got a podcast about hope as well, which is very modest compared to your, your two uh, endeavour. But um, yeah. So, so where can people find your podcast? Um, so that's on, it's on Podbean, but it's also on Spotify. It's on all the usual platforms, and it's literally called How to Be Hopeful on my. Um, um, maybe I could put it on your Facebook page. Please later do. On. Yeah, please do. That be yeah, we we'll be yeah. we'll be able to share it. So tell us about what you've learned about hope during the um, period that you've been writing the book. Yeah, well, I I I try to consider it from a sort of 
personal perspective, as in how to hold on hope yourself, and then to, to move out from your personal perspective to the community, to the wider world, and to the future. Um, so I think the main thing I learned was that what I was thinking about or talking about when I was talking about hope wasn't wishful, it wasn't sort of wishing upon a star kind of passive. Because yeah. what you talk about a lot is quite practical, isn't it? Yeah, because I, I think it's always important because otherwise I'm not a fan of passive entertainment or sort of passive writing, really. I think an invitation to actions best. It's yeah. more inclusive and it helps people. It doesn't mean they have to do things, but I've always tried to say, try this, because I think the best way of knowing something in your heart and in your mind is experiencing it. So the only way you can find out if kindness works is doing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's the same with sort of hopeful practice. So it's full of practical things to do and and, and lots of different ways as well because there's not only one fit. We're all different. Some people are very extrovert and they're happy to connect with their local community and organise street parties. Other people aren't like that and they're happy to have a smaller tribe of people to connect with and that might be online. Some people want to go and plant trees in the in the you know, in the rainforest or up in Scotland and other people want to do sort of smaller things. So it's about sort of trying to offer a range of activities and things to think about to encourage hope in yourself. Yeah. It feels really important and it feels like a sort of responsibility to, to be hopeful for children, for the future, for ourselves as well. And to say, not only let's, let's, let's think about what we hope for and then that's what decide what action we can take to move towards that hope. So basically, I would say, if you're going to sum it up, it's like, what do you hope for? What do we hope for? What can we do to move towards that hope? And there's always something, always. Yeah, good stuff. And um, tell us, I know, I know two, of your, two of your books, one's about kindness and one's about uh, wonder. Uh, the, is it the little book of kindness and the little book of wonder, isn't it? Uh, and what do you think we can do in the current situation to be um, a little bit kinder to ourselves, but also retain a sense of wonder? Yeah, uh, self-care is so important. I think uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some, several friends who are positive psychologists. They've been sort of super helpful with this regard, and I've been having conversations with people about it. But all three of them who come from slightly different perspectives have said it's really important at the moment to check in on yourself. So don't something's coming up like sadness or worry or anger or fear to, to recognize to take a little bit of time out to to ex, to sort of recognize and accept that that's happening and to think about what you need to make you feel better in that moment yeah in a way and that will be different for everyone so some people that is going to be a bubble bath but other people that's going to be going to sort of do some really strenuous British Army fitness training in the garden on their own, you know. That, and so it's about where you can, and that's really difficult for people at the moment. Some people are homeschooling and working and all the rest of it, but just recognising if difficult things are coming up for you and 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 look at cherishing yourself and thinking, what do I need to feel better yeah. in this moment? It's a, it's a re really, really fair point. And interestingly, yeah. we had a... Uh, an amazing positive psychologist on the podcast for episode live episode three, a lady called Ruth Hughes. Um, if you haven't watched that, 
and oh, your um, and uh, talk to our listeners. You're finding it really tough in this environment to cope, and you won't be alone. Um, there'll be plenty of us out there who are trying to maintain positive mental health. Please watch that episode because Ruth shares some amazing stuff um, to to to, really to, to do important that. Important as well, isn't it? To, we there's a, there's there's been a little bit of an understandable kind of come on, let's be positive, let's think about the good things, and that is important. But it's also important to to allow yourself the negative because we are all of those things. And and yeah. in order to be kind to ourselves, we have to say, do you know, at the moment I feel really sad or I feel really worried and and let that happen yeah. but we've got to wonder just to say i think actually we're strangely blessed that this has happened at a time when sort of nature is really on at her her best and in beautiful display so i think finding every day looking every day for something beautiful for wonder for something glorious and, and beautiful and even if that's out of your window at a little patch of blue sky or noticing cherry blossom or watching the bees to, to try and notice something beautiful and wonderful every day really helps as well and is a sort of active way of self-care and being kind to yourself i reckon for you it's flowers isn't it because like you, you you like taking like photos flowers. of flowers what's your favorite flower you've taken a photo of uh uh, that I've taken a photo of oh I don't know there's loads of like pretty flowers and like uh, I don't know I like I quite like the cherry blossoms and there's these ones I don't know what the name is but like they grow around like the end of the school year and they always crop up and I always take loads of pictures of them yeah but I haven't seen any of them it's yet nice, so. Charlotte. I think sort of sharing really beautiful pictures of nature as well is a lovely mm. it's nice for you isn't it ours but it's also really nice to share it it's lovely i've loved on instagram on my instagram feed seeing people taking pictures of beautiful things they've seen on walks mm. and noticing the birds singing louder and hearing the trees creaking and all these sort of extraordinary yeah. gifts actually of, yeah. of sort of wonder and beauty that it's yeah. a nice thing to share have you been sharing them charlotte uh, no, because they're all they're all on my camera, and I haven't figured out how to move pictures from my camera to the, yeah. my computer or my phone yet. But I've been showing them to mum and dad. So oh yeah, 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 that's lovely. Yeah, it's really uh, nice. I think showing them to people as well makes that then they then then it makes you think, oh, I'm going to notice that. So it's a really mm -hmm. lovely thing to share, I think. Um, so considering your work with children, what have you learned from doing the uh, working with children? Kids. Um, so, yeah, so I wrote, written a couple of kids' activity books, and actually I, I worked in schools and colleges in the States and over here quite a lot. And I think, um, so the two things I've really sort of learned from kids and try to work with with kids is kind of around mischief, because it's really important to play for adults and for kids. So sort of mischief connected with fun and, and kindness and magic and self-care as well. So I think... The things I've learned of kids is they really, really, really want to be kind and they love doing it, but they also really love that being quite mischievous and sort of playful and kind of fun. <laughs> No, we yeah. Sorry, the only the only reason we're laughing is because we're quite a mischievous family. Yeah, like I know we, you, I know you are. We we are we we are we are sort of. A lot of the stuff I've given I've written in the adults, but came from when I was working with kids. I was like, oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah, 
Because I think play is important, right? I think you know, you know what was funny. So I, I went, I, I did my, um, I did my hours worth of exercise yesterday, and I took my youngest daughter, who's who's eight, Sophie, out for a bike ride. And we're lucky that we've got uh, a county park at the at the back of the house. So I did a five k run, and she took a took a bike. And halfway there. Uh, we got to this place with some benches, uh, and I I decided to jump on the benches. Like I was doing, I was I was jumping on the step, and then jumping on the bench, and then jumping down, and jumping jumping down. And Sophie said to me, "Dad, you've done some embarrassing stuff." She's eight. Bear in mind, you've done some embarrassing stuff in your life. This might have topped the list, right? But that only incentivized me to do it more. <laughs> I just wanted to. I was like, if this is embarrassing you, I, I'm doing my job right, aren't I? Mm. Um, I mean, normally I only do that with really bad dancing, but 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 yeah, no, it's that's definitely a thing to learn from children. Children are also, I think, natural optimists. Like they'll they'll assume most children most of the time are natural optimists. So there's loads of stuff to listen to learn from them, I think. And, and they'll try things out so they have less fear barriers, generally speaking, than adults. So there's loads of stuff to learn from kids, I think, in response to what you say, Charlotte. But also what you were saying, that really nice thing, Chris, of just, like, kids will jump in puddles and they'll dance without worrying about whether it's cool or not. And all of that stuff, I think, is good for us to revisit. I'm, always, I'm a big fan of sort of revisiting and holding on to the stuff that we used to do as kids. Like, why aren't we still allowed to... Oh. Uh, you know, you know what's interesting. We had a we had a question of the podcast last week, um, talking about what. Oh no, it was earlier this week, wasn't it? I can't remember now. It's all it's all merging into one. What is time? Um, what is what is what is the concept of time anymore? Um, but we asked what um, what things are you nostalgic about? What things did you enjoy doing as a child? And one that came up time and time again um was run outs or british bulldog or like so just ads um and somebody one of our listeners didn't know what run outs was so i'm now tempted to organize the biggest game of run outs you've ever seen once this is all over bernadette are you in yeah, definitely. I'm definitely. Good, good. One person at a time. That's all it takes. Right. I'll referee. <laughs> um, so how are you spending your time during this lockdown? Well, I've, so I've, been, I've actually been quite busy because I have to, so I had to adapt my uh, theatre project for the Royal Albert Hall to a postal delivery one. So I've just sort of finished doing that. Um, and... Um, I'm I'm doing the sort of final edits of my book so I actually weirdly keeping busy yeah I think that's changed particularly except I'm working at home and before I used to work in my little studio and um, it sounds really boring Charlotte but it's been quite great I'm having like a massive clear out alongside that which feels really I feel like it means that when I emerge I'll be like yeah, I totally know where everything. Are you uh, are you going yeah. for Marie Kondo, or are you are you just sort of taking do, it a bit easy? It's wonderful and really inspiring. So I'm not doing the getting rid of stuff because there's nowhere to take it at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just sort of sorting things out. So I'm enjoying that, and we we are lucky enough, like yourselves, to live near some really beautiful. I'm very near the Docklands, mm. really near a wildlife reserve. We've got a really nice park, so sort of doing that kind of early social distancing kind of walks and we're also doing a lot of sort of guerrilla art things like I decorated the 
the telephone box near me is covered in thank you notes. Oh, cool. We talk to the whole of the outside of the house. We've been putting poetry, chalk poems on the pavements and stuff like that. Amazing. So, um, example of, examples of kindness have seemed more relevant recently due to the lockdown. Why do you think this is and what's your favourite example? Um, so, I think there's a couple of things. I think those stories are just being shared more. I think they're always there. I think that the news outlets, the bigger news outlets, not the likes of you, of ours, but the bigger news outlets have switched their focus so we're seeing more of what I think existed anyway. But also, I think people have were given the confidence and the opportunity to do the things that they've always yearned to do in their hearts anyway. So I, don't, I think we've responded brilliantly. Human beings have responded brilliantly. But I think we always had it in us. So I think that's what's happened. Um, and... Gosh, what a, well, I mean, I like you, I kind of try and notice something every day, but I have to say, Captain Tom yesterday... Oh, amazing you know, work. ...is 100 laps. Yeah. I mean, the, the, other, the, other, the other thing as well is um, the fact that, like, we, we were mentioning it on the podcast, yeah. his stuff, uh, during the week, and every time we mentioned it, we got the amount... Uh, uh, he'd raised wrong because it just went kept on going up and up. I know, I know. It was impossible to keep up with, wasn't it? But it's extraordinary. And I think that that Captain Tom's story is a really beautiful example of everybody being able to connect to contribute in some way. Mm. Yeah. Who were given if they were able to, but also people who weren't able to, you know, there's a lot of people concerned about money without spare cash, but they were sharing the story. Yeah. Um, people were encouraged by it. He was an amazing, beautiful character. And just the fact that he was able to walk 100 lengths yeah. in his 100th year was inspiring. Yeah. And great. The fact that the news outlets were running with the story, it was, the whole thing about it sort of perfectly, for me, encapsulated this time that we're in yeah and i think the other the other thing about it right is uh, uh the other thing about it is that we're, we're in a position where kindness as you say in that first year of you performing acts of kindness you you felt you needed to give a tangible thing mm. but sometimes it's about a smile isn't it or about making I, sure that I, somebody's I relevant now that's more that's more important because it's possible so when i do workshops about sort of compassion and kindness now i was make sure people know that because and also sometimes that's all you can manage because you're tired or because you don't feel great or because you don't have any money and actually that makes a huge difference i know that if someone smiles at me or says good morning to me and they are doing a lot more now i have to say it's really nice actually it's like, oh, yeah, i love you know, it i love it you up. um so it is the small things it doesn't have to be financial doesn't have to be big doesn't have to be bold but it can be if you feel like that yeah um it can be saying that's a nice jacket yeah. or um how are you doing you know or, or making somebody a cup of tea as long as they follow the specific rules of of color uh, if they get the color wrong i'd rather not have the tea <laughs> <laughs> um, they... you, i will drink any color of tea but yeah no but it's i think I, I always, you know, I go back to, and I spoke about it in my show, and I spoke about it in my first book, this story that I know is very well known of the little girl, um, the starfish story. Do you know that story? No. So there's a little girl uh, walking along a beach. Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, go on. 
know that story? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the beach is washed with hundreds and thousands of starfish, and there's a man walking along the beach, and he sees her picking up a starfish and throwing it into the sea. And he thinks, oh, that's really sweet, but what, what's she doing that for? And so he says to her, um, it's really nice that you're rescuing one or two starfish, but what difference is that going to make? There's hundreds of thousands of starfish on the, on the beach. And she says, she picks up a starfish, throws it into the sea and says it made a difference to that one. Yeah. And I think that's a well-known story and it's well told but for, for a good reason. It's a really, I keep coming back to it. It's like you can't, sometimes it's overwhelming and we are going to, we're at the beginning of a very, very difficult journey and, and there's no point as uh, being in denial of that. And there will be times when it's useful to remind ourselves that picking up one starfish and throwing it back into the sea is something, it's yeah. not nothing. And also that if accumulatively we all picked up one starfish, metaphorically, and threw it back into the sea, that would fix it. Yeah, uh, it's bite-sized chunks, isn't it? If it if that challenge feels too big, we're not we're we're not going to take the first step. But that it's throwing of the first I mean, starfish. That's how I felt when I started on my journey, and I still feel the same. At the t- in two thousand and eleven, which feels like another time now, I was like, I felt so overwhelmed by all the problems of the world. It felt there was always a war, there was always a famine, there was always battles and arguments and anger, and. Those things are too big. I can't. I don't have a, tab- a seat at the table at the UN. I can't talk to whoever's waging a war. But what I can do is, in my street, is say good morning to someone. Yeah. And yeah. everyone can do that. Yeah, spot on. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, stay Thank with you. us because. Sorry we... if I went on a bit. No. It's nice to hear your voice, Charlotte. It's nice to hear your voice too. Yeah, you guys. Are, this is a weird thing because because I sometimes I do the interviews on my own on sometimes. the audio version on the audio version of the podcast because you used to have this thing called school, didn't you? Know what that is anymore? <laughs> um, time school. Uh, time school. These concepts are meaningless. Um, uh, we uh, we don't normally get the opportunity to speak to our guests, but thankfully we've uh, we've gone back to all of our guests, um, and we've got a busy couple of weeks coming up on Kindness Project Live because we've got. A lot of our we've got a busy week coming up on the Kindness Project Live. Didn't mean it literally, mate. All oh, right, okay, sorry. I thought you meant it uh, literally, not metaphorically. Um, but we we are interviewing a lot of the guests that we've had on the audio show now live, which is which is amazing. And um, it's yeah, the end. It uh, is not. It, it is nearly the end. Sophie's joined us. <laughs> Say hello to our audience, Sophie. Um, Okay. Um, Thanks, Chris and Charlotte. Maybe I could interview you back. Oh yeah, that'd be good actually. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be good. Weirdly, for our for our hundredth hundredth audio episode, we got interviewed, and it was the weirdest experience yeah, ever, wasn't it? So I'm up for it. But um, yeah, I I we we. Um, there's a guy actually. I don't think he's a million miles away from you geographically. A guy called uh, Don Diffgang. He's he's on the uh, he's on the live show next week. Who runs a website called Do Me a Favor, Buddy? Um, he's an amazing dude, and he interviewed us for our hundredth episode. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. So uh, apparently, tis the end. Tis the end. Interesting experience. I think it's useful, isn't it, getting interviewed? Because then you get a feeling of what that it what that is. Well, I think you look at what the work you're doing, and if it is work, I mean, for us, it's just 
an opportunity to non did you just yawn? Are we keeping you up? Um, uh, it's just an opportunity to 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 nonsensically waffle for uh, 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 every week. Half hour. Um, half hour. Um, but um, we we really enjoyed it. So so and um, we couldn't do it without guests like you. So thank you so much for coming on. Lovely, and um, thank you so much. I'll check out all the other episodes as well and i'm on facebook and on instagram and on twitter if anyone wants to find me but I'll, yeah um, but, but stay on because we want we want your thoughts both on charlotte's it's a new thing we're doing charlotte does a really yes. good joke <laughs> at the end um but also um we've apparently naming inanimate objects is a it's thing, a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. I didn't think it okay, was a thing. So Bernadette didn't think it was a thing. But uh, it, it is a thing. Um, um, yes, uh, it's so, a big world. So most things so, are a thing. So, so tell me, Sophie, do you want to share what you name your eyebrows? They are face caterpillars. Okay, what do you name your face caterpillars? <laughs> Alan and Dave. Alan and Dave. What one's Alan and what one's Dave? Alan Dave. Oh, fine. Good to know. Same left um, and right. Apparently, um, Serena van der Moulen, friend of the show, <laughs> thank you, Serena, named their Christmas tree Trevor. Don't know why. Lucy Pat Patrick said, uh, we've got Brenda the Builder's Hoover, Susie the Wearfax. <laughs> apparently, it helps on site if you shout, just get me Brenda or I need Susie. And obviously, vehicles need, need names. We've got Bert and Ernie. And obviously, when you see the other, you have to don a Sesame Street voice and say, hello, Bert, or hello, Ernie. This is like a real thing. It is. It's, it's like a real genuinely thing. a thing. I'm see, so sorry. See you soon. Um, yeah. What did you ask me, though, just before I go? But what do you think of Bert and Ernie as car names? Lovely. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. and we'll... That can't be topped. <laughs> um, so Chris Haycock said, uh, my car, my plane is called Evie. Um, he names his bin called Barrietta. But we call the car Jeep Jeep. And that's true. The car has got a name. Uh, the car is called Tez. Charlotte. Plane's called Evie. Bin's called Barrietta. And Lauren, Lauren's pet rock is called Steve. <laughs> um, Dawn Kirk said, uh, our car is called the Red Robin. The last one was called the Pimp. <laughs> Apparently, Sarah. Oh, uh, my mum used to have this huge spider in her house that seemed to be there for years. She named him Fred. <laughs> Fair enough. John's just posted a picture of his eyebrows. Uh, let, let me read the comment above it. My eyebrows are inanimate. Um, oh, Heidi, Heidi said uh, she's got Kev the kettle, Freddie fridge. And Dan, my husband, who's pretty inanimate at the moment. <laughs> Charming. Um, Terry? Um, the Jim Hoover is called George, which caused great amusement when we had a trainer called George, especially the time someone dropped George down the stairs. Now, you, what you haven't told us, Terry, is whether it was the Hoover... George? Or the or the or the or the gym trainer. So both. let us know on that. Or both. George and George fell down the stairs. And Sarah Lou Sarah Lou says we've got a Dave the Duster, and the remote control is the Doofa. Oh yeah, it is. People call their remote yeah, control yeah. the Doofa. So while I'm while I'm uh, joke time. While, yeah, I'm going to check on Twitter whether we've got any comments. Because um, uh, apparently on Facebook it. Uh, 
it's a thing on Twitter. They're not impressed by that question. They don't want to. They don't want to react on Twitter. Can you tell us the as we've going been going on for quite a long episode today? Can you tell us the joke of the day? Yes. Okay. Um, it's a paragraph joke, so there's no need to respond. Um, for a period, Houdini used trapdoors in every single show he did. I guess you could say he was. It was a stage he was going through. <laughs> Even the dogs left the room. Even the dogs <laughs> run out of the room of, the, of that joke. Oh, no, uh, he's come here. He's um, come here. He wants my apple. <laughs> and on that note, have a lovely Friday. Have a lovely weekend. We're back on Sunday morning with Joshua as our guest. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.